John chapter 3, we've come really to verse 18, but I'm going to back up to verse 16 because it, it is all segued here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So John tells us at the end of the gospel, he said, look, I there's all kinds of things I could have written about Jesus Christ. Maybe the libraries of the world couldn't contain the things that could be written, but the things I have written, there's a definite purpose. I've written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through his name. He said, I'm writing because I want a decision on your part. I'm writing these things so that you can come to a verdict. And what I'm pushing for is that you would believe and then have life through his name, specifically the reason that he writes. And as he comes to this third chapter in this dialogue with Nicodemus, this religious expert who's learning that he has to take way more courses than he thought he did, um, in that conversation he centers on the love of God in a very remarkable way. And he tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish. That's the point, but have everlasting life. And then he says, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. That wasn't his purpose, but that the world through him might be saved. So he says, this is the heart of God. It's God's heart that men would be saved. God doesn't need to condemn the world. The world's it's already condemned. He doesn't need to do that. He sent his son to save people out of the world. The gave of chapter 6, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave, is the same sent in verse 17. God sent his giving was by sending his son into the world. And the sending there is relative to a mission. He didn't just come into the world. He was sent into the world. That was God's giving because the mission he was sent on was that of substitutionary atonement. So he gives us this picture. And as we go in these verses, look, God, the great divide as far as God is concerned is between the saved and the unsaved, between darkness and light. All of the other categories that we get pulled to, you think, you know, here, here's earth. It's very interesting. It tells us in the Old Testament that God laid out the heavens 
with the span of his hand, the distance between his index finger and his thumb. When I graduated from high school in 1968, I think they were saying the Earth, the universe is about 5 billion light years wide then. But by the time I was 30, it was 10 billion light years wide. And uh, now it's over 20 billion light years. It's interesting. It keeps growing. The older I get, the bigger the universe is getting. Uh, but so it's, if it's 30 billion light, light years wide, you figure that's the span of God's hand. And it says the Earth is like dust in the bucket. So we have this little particle you need almost an electron microscope to look at. That's Earth. And on either side of it, there's eternity, unending. And out of this little speck of dust comes all this noise. Nuclear bombs going off, people screaming, people hating each other because of their color, wars between nations, you know, fighting and screaming. Out of this little speck of dust, when eternity's on either side of it, God said, no, you know, I sent my son. Imagine the, the position Christ had to leave and be downsized, as it were, to come into this particle of dust and put on human skin. And God said, look, the Bible tells us about God. He says, it's not my will that any should perish. That's not my will. But that all men should come to a knowledge of the truth. Because people say all kinds of things about God because there's hardship in this world, there's cancer, there's difficulty, there's, there's all kinds of things that are hurtful, but that's because the world is fallen, it's condemned. And it says here, God's heart is to rescue us out of this. And he sent his son on a mission into this minuscule circumstance because when God looks at it eternally, he sees the saved and the unsaved. So he didn't send his son into the world, it says, to condemn the world. And by the way, as we go through these verses, this word condemn throughout is krinos, which is judge. John himself in his gospel never uses the word condemn, but whenever he talks about God's judgment, it's relative to the final judgment and the end of the age. So it is, condemning is the right word here. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. That wasn't the point. If God wanted to judge the world, he could have used fire. He could have used a flood. He could have used a cataclysm. He, you know, he didn't have to send his son into the world to judge the world. He didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Interesting, the phrase there, might be, it's not an uncertainty, gee whiz, maybe some will be saved, some won't. It's not that the world through him might be in regards to uncertainty. The word might be there is his very purpose that's through him the world should be, is the idea saved here in the context is rescued. God wants to rescue humankind from a lost eternity. And he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son into the world that through him men might be saved. And in the verses now 18 to 21, he breaks that down for us remarkably. And you figure Nicodemus is listening to this, you know, and he's having to deal with it, you know. Jesus says in verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, 
But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And by the way, listen to me. Jesus boils this down to the individual. There's nowhere in here it says he saves humanity in mass. He saves humanity individual by individual. So this is singular throughout as we go. And it says he, the individual, here this morning, you're listening somewhere on the media, he that believeth, and I, I love my King James because where, the, where there's a TH on the end, it tells me the tense is a, is a present tense. He that believeth is in the process of believing on him is not condemned. Those of us here today, believers, we've spent our life believing in Christ. We're not condemned. No judgment is coming to us because our judgment came on him on the cross. That was the reason he came into the world. It was the reason the Father gave him that we might be saved and have eternal life. So he then that is fulfilling the Father's will, who's believing in Christ, is not condemned. This is what he says. That's our condition. But, in great contrast, he that believeth is not believing in him is condemned already. Because he hath not believed... And still the idea is, there's a perfect tense here, is not believed with the result that he's not believing in the name of the only begotten Son of God, so that he that believeth not is condemned already. That, that's the, that's, you know, it's not like, hey man, if you don't get saved, you're going to be lost. The Bible's not saying that here. The Bible's saying here, you're already lost. That's why you need to get saved. You are already lost. Are you part of this big club outside those doors? Go home and turn on the news and see what club you're part of. Tell me about what future you have watching that go on. The insanity. It says here, the person that's believing is not condemned. But he that believeth not, the individual, it's up to you. He that believeth not is condemned already. God doesn't need to condemn him. He sent his son in the world to save him. He's already condemned because he doesn't believe, he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's interesting in the scripture, uh, you know, Isaac is named Isaac because Sarah laughed. And Abraham said, I want you to remember your wife la laughed at me, so call this kid Itzhak. You know, laughter. Imagine your mom's nursing a kid named Laughter, reminding her she laughed at God when he made a promise he was going to be born. You know, Jacob is heel catcher. You know, be, the, the, the names in the Bible were significant. And it says here, his onama, they haven't believed in the name, the onama, in that is everything that he is. Jesus Christ, healer. Redeemer, Savior, Deliverer, Truth, the way, the truth, and the life, Light. You know, they haven't believed in his name. Look, there's anywhere you can go on this planet where people haven't heard the word Jesus Christ. China, India, where other religions are, are dominant, doesn't matter. There's nowhere you can go where people haven't heard. In fact, some people are so bothered by Jesus that they decided, when I grew up, human history, at least in America, the history I grew up in, was 
B.C. or A.D., before Christ or Ado Domini in the year of our Lord, one or the other. Now, because they can't stand that, they've made it B.C.E., before the common error, before the common stupidity. You know, you have all history around one Jewish carpenter in a minuscule town in Galilee named Nazareth, that never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born, that the entire world knows about today, without media, without newspapers, without movies, without any of that, the whole world knows. And he says here, the problem is not that God doesn't want people to be delivered. The problem is that people decide not to believe in the name, they, and the whole world knows about Jesus. There's one name given among men whereby we must be saved at the name of Jesus. It says ultimately in the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, you know, the, to the, the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. The whole world is heard. He says, but they refuse to believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 19 now gives us these reasons. And this is the condemnation. Here's the deal. That light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It's interesting. It says this is the condemnation. That there's an article before light and darkness here. The light, specific light has come into the world with the, the effect that it is still lighting the world. And men loved, definite article, the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So you have set in great contrast here the darkness and the light. And the darkness then is not just an absence of light, The darkness is put before us here is antagonistic to the light. There's an antagonism in the chemistry here that's put before us. John tells us in the first chapter, he says, In him, the word of God, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness apprehended it not, hasn't seized or grasped the light. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Here John the Baptist in verse 36 will say, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. These decisions are elementary. Jesus will say this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Again, Jesus says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So it tells us very clearly, there is light, there is darkness. Not physical light, 
Obviously, there's physical light. But this is something else. It, it says, if anybody, Paul says, refuses our gospel, it's those whose minds are blinded, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine in their hearts. There's, there's something that goes on internally, and it tells us here that the light has come, the light, verse 19, this is the condemnation, that the light, Christ himself, has come into the world. But men loved darkness rather than light. Here's their motive, because their deeds were evil. It's very interesting here. It says, it says the problem in this world today is men love agape, darkness more than light. You think that's only for Christians. It says men agape, darkness more than light. They're devoted to it. Not just a feeling. Agape is a determination. It has a purpose. And it says the reason that men don't get saved is not because the light is ineffective. It's not because the light doesn't have divine blessing behind it. The reason men don't get saved is because they're devoted to darkness. They hate the light. Because the darkness exposes them. Look, you share Christ with your friends, you share Christ with your relatives, your, your classmates, wherever. Our responsibility is just to bring Christ to men. Only God can bring men to Christ. And when you bring the light to someone, the problem is not that your message, what you're sharing, the light is not ineffective, it is not without power, it is not that the light can't accomplish, it's the problem is where is the will, the heart of the person on the other end. You see, because there's God's will, then that's that all should come to the knowledge of the truth, that nobody should perish. He sent his son into the world that we wouldn't perish. There's God's will that none should perish. And then there's man's will who loves darkness more than light. It isn't that the light's ineffective, that the light can't save. It's that men agape darkness, he says here, more than light, and their motive is because their deeds are evil. They don't want to bring their, their sexual sin or their addiction or their greed for money or their greed for power or their hatred or their prejudice or their bitterness. or you know They, they don't want to bring... Because what happens is when you come into the light, you have to look at that and say, this is wrong. This needs a change. And it says men are devoted to darkness. The problem is not with the light. The problem is not with your message or my message. The problem is for everybody sitting in this room, this is an individual decision. Everybody listening somewhere, there's God's will and there's your will. There's time and there's eternity. There's darkness and there's light. It's not on anybody but you. The light is coming to you. You can't say this morning you're not hearing it. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's light. You can't say you're not hearing it if you're here and don't know Christ. You can't say it's not affecting you. You're sitting there, or you're listening somewhere, and the light of God is shining on your heart. What is your motivation? What keeps you from turning to Christ? What is the holdup? He tells us here clearly that men are devoted to darkness. 
They would rather enjoy their sin. They would rather pursue their own ends. They don't want to bring what they're doing into the light because then they have to say, God, there's accountability. Lord, you're right. I see this. And understand, as we look at the world we're in, you may feel there's a lot of injustice. There is. But, but, but God's got it. We're, we're almost through this jello that we're going through. And, and the movers and the shakers and those who, who run international corporations who think they're the movers and the shakers, everybody out there, all the conspirators are going to get conspirated pretty soon when we disappear. We have hope. And we're to share the light of Christ with this last generation. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go thereon. Our responsibility is to bring the light of the gospel to somebody. It's not ineffective. It's revealing. It's doing that right here in this room. You have the will of God. You have the will of the individual. God doesn't want you to perish. That's why he's gone to all the extent he's gone to, which is unimaginable. But men love their sin. They love darkness. They don't want to come to the light. They don't want to hear about Jesus. Tell me about something else. They don't want to bring it into the light. It says, this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth continually does evil, continually hates the light. This is a, a life process. Neither does he come to the light. And he says again here, the reason, lest his deeds should be reproved. It says when you come to the light, the reproved is, if you reprove something, you prove it over again. But the idea is here is to expose, to drag from the darkness into the light. The reason that men don't come is that they don't want to admit that. They don't want to bring it out. You know, and, and you and I are warned through the scripture. Paul will say, you know, what communion does darkness and light have? He warns the believer that we're, we should separate ourselves in our behavior and what we do and, and certainly in our fellowship. What communion is there between darkness and light? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, look, anything that doth make manifest is light. That we should walk, he says, acrobos in the, in the Greek. We should, we should walk like an acrobat, the type way that we should be careful how we walk and where we walk. And if there's light in our life, anything that doth make manifest that brings into the open is light. So you and I as believers, the only reason we can see, gee, this needs to change. You're right, Lord, I am selfish. Or Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I'm going to ask them for forgiveness. You know, it, it says anything that makes manifest, it's not there to condemn us. And it is light. God is giving us light. We're in the light. But the unbeliever, which we all were at one point in time, doesn't want to come because they don't want to bring their deeds into the light because the light exposes them for what they are. You can make that choice this morning while you're here. You can look at that and look at your own life 
and, and be here and say, you know what, I've I played with this long enough. Jesus is exposing the inner motive. It's not intellectual. It's not theological. It's moral. The reason people don't come is not intellectual. It's not that they can't hear and understand. It's not theological. They have a problem with God or forgiveness. It's moral. They don't want to bring their deeds, their behavior into the light. They would rather, you know, Isaiah said that in the last days they're going to call good evil and evil good. Is that Turn the news on. They're going to call right wrong and wrong right. They're going to call up, down, and down up. And the inmates have taken over the asylum. Right? Just turn the news on. And, and it's characterizing the day that we're living in. But that can't affect light. Light is still truth. Jesus is the light of the world. The light is shining in darkness. That's where it's the brightest. When, there's, when it's completely black, you can see a candle five miles away. And the light exposes. And when we see the light, when we come into the light, it makes manifest the things in our life that need to change, that we need forgiveness. And we've done that. And those of us that are walking in the light, that have believed in Christ, there's no judgment for us, no condemnation. But for the individual who faces the light and decides, I don't like this, because this means what I'm doing is wrong, and I'm more devoted to darkness, they don't realize it, than light, because my deeds, my behavior is evil. And if I come to the light... I bring that into the light, and the light then exposes me for what I really am. And he says, men don't want to do that. Paul would say in the book of Acts, when he is giving his testimony, he says that the Lord had come to him and showed him certain things, he said, he's going to send thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's what Jesus said to Paul, or bring them from darkness to light. So this morning, when we end the service, we're going to give you a chance to accept Christ. That's between you and God. God here saying clearly, it's not his will that you should perish. In fact, I sent my son from eternity into your world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's God's will. What's your will? Is it to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to start a new life, to bring all your brokenness and your emptiness and your sin into the light, or is it to creep away and stay in the darkness where you're miserable? Nothing satisfies there. Nothing works out there. And we'll give you the choice to make that decision this morning. He ends here in verse 21 when he says, 
But he that doeth, the idea is continually living in truth, that person is always coming, always coming to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest, that it may be clear that, that they are wrought of God. It doesn't say, listen, doesn't say that the person who is walking in the light is superior to other people. It doesn't say that that person is some type of egomaniac looking down at other people. It doesn't say you're judgmental towards other people. It says if, you, if you're walking in the light, you do the light. It isn't just a, a, a concept. He that doeth the light, you're walking in it, and you come to the light to bring your behavior into the light. John will also write this when he says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we continually walk in darkness, we lie, self-deceived, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us. The blood of Jesus Christ is continually cleansing us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And that light shines on the unsaved world as well. You and I, it says in verse 20, he that doeth the truth. I understand who I am. I understand who I am without Christ. I understand who I am in my own inclinations. I understand how desperately I need the Holy Spirit reigning in my heart. I understand the blessed hope that I have. I understand what's going on in the world around me. The prophetic scenario is so clear. I understand why I'm going to heaven. It has anything to do with my performance. Nicodemus is listening to this realizing, I got nothing. I got nothing. He that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they may be brought out into the open, that they are wrought... In God. Challenge this morning, look, uh, <clears throat> probably several different things here. You personally, you're sharing Christ with a friend or a relative. Understand, when you read through this passage of God giving, God sending, his purpose, there's a broken heart in eternity. God understands eternity. And when the door is shut, like the door in the ark, that's it. And God's heart is broken about this world. So he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's how I got in. Whosoever would believe would not perish. That's eternal. But in great contrast to perishing forever, might have everlasting life. And understand, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not what he was doing. 
If he wanted to condemn the world, he could have used another flood like Noah's day. He could have, you know, burned the earth up. He could have used a cataclysm. One of those asteroids could really smack us and, you know, put us in a wobble. You know, whatever. You know, if, that's not why he sent his son into the world. He didn't send his son to condemn the world. But that the world through him should be rescued. Should be rescued. You and I, if we believe in him, in Jesus... No condemnation for us. No condemnation, Paul says, for those who are in Jesus. But he that believeth not, it isn't like he's going to be condemned. He's condemned already, he says. He's condemned already. So when we share Christ with our friends and our relatives, we share the word of God. Understand, the light is not inadequate. The light is not ineffective. It's not like we lack something in what we're sharing or saying it's the choice on the other end that matters. God's will is that none should perish. You're sharing that message through the power of the Holy Spirit. On the other end, there's a moral agent who's deciding and making a moral decision. It isn't intellectual. It's not theological. It's I don't want to give up what I'm doing because if it gets drug out into the light, it's unacceptable. It's not right. So everybody who comes to the light, who, who, who wants to stay in darkness, they hate the light. They hate it. Not just aggravate it. They hate it. They hate what you're saying. They hate this Jesus stuff. They hate because the light makes manifest. It exposes. It drags out into the open. That's why men agape darkness rather than light. You and I... It says if we're doing the truth and we're walking in the light, we have our peace with God. He doesn't condemn us. That's wonderful, right? Sinners such as you and I getting into the kingdom because of what somebody else has done. Amazing, right? Jesus paid a price he didn't know because we had a debt we couldn't pay. I'm going to have the musicians come. We'll sing a last song. Please listen. If you're here today and you've never come to Christ, we're going to make that invitation. As we sing this last song, we're going to ask you to get out of your seat and walk down and stand here. That's between you and the light. God's will today is that you don't perish, that you're not lost. God's will today, you're not condemned. God's will today is your re- that you would be rescued eternally. Because when you die and shut your eyes, you're going to be in the light or in the darkness forever. And that's the way he divides humanity. So God's will today is he loves the world. He loves you. He sent his son to die in your place. It's not his will that any should perish. On the other side of that is your will. Well, if he's a God of love, how can he send people to hell? He's not sending. He sent his son into the world so that, so that people wouldn't have to go to hell. But he doesn't send anybody you choose. For you today, God's light is shining on your heart. God's light is saying to you, you know what? You're not saved. You need to make this change. You've been playing games. What you're doing is empty. And if you continue on your present path, you're going to be lost forever. And God doesn't want that. There's God's will. There's your, your will. Don't blame anybody else. Don't blame anybody else.
And some of you may be listening or sitting here, you hate the light. And the reason you hate it, it's a moral choice because you want to keep messing around in what you're doing. And you know if it gets drug into the light, it's exposed for what it is, your behavior. We're going to sing this last song together as we do. I'm going to invite you to come. If you know you need to be saved today, you come. Stand right down here, right in front of everybody. Jesus hung on a cross naked for you in front of the world. You can come and stand here. It's downhill. It's easier. You can come with your clothes on, stand here, and say, I need to be saved. I need forgiven. The rest of your walk's going to be uphill, but the first, today it'll be downhill. You come. And, uh, and if a friend brought you, they're going to say, come on, I'll go with you. Let's go down, because they love you as well. And if they're walking in the light, they want that light to shine in your life as well. God's will, your will, nobody else. Nobody else. Let's stand. Let's pray together. I encourage you not to run out. Please stay and pray. God's the one who adds to his church daily such as should be saved. We want to see that. But let's pray. Father, I know you've overheard, Lord. Help us as your children understand the dynamics we're in as we're sharing the gospel, as we want to share with our, our friends and relatives that are lost. Uh, Lord, that what we're sharing is not without power, not without light, not without truth. Lord, let us be bold and courageous in that. And Lord, we pray for those here listening, Lord, that have never come. They've shunned. They've stay, stayed away. And today they're broken enough that they're willing to say, I surrender. I surrender. I've surrendered to insanity, to drugs, to substance, to money, to greed, to prejudice, to hatred, to bitterness. And I'm ready now, Lord Jesus, to surrender to you. Your light is shining in my heart, Lord. Draw them today to your will, from their will, Lord, that they would not perish. Lord, we trust you. We ask you to do this, and Father, we do pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.